Shira, everyone, and welcome to Podcast 14. This is Ty. And this is Moog. Well, we've got quite a lineup for you today. We've got weather and news. The Janathus and Anthony are doing a tech discussion, so for all of you who want to know if you're going to be able to play Uru live, that's pretty much going to be covered. Mm-hmm. Is this the one where they have the Mark DeForest interview, or is that Podcast 15? No, they have it in this one. Okay, good. And that's going to be very good. I, they get into a lot of the technical details behind Uru Live, and we'll be able to compare in some detail how the new Live will compare with the old Live, uh, how it's different, how it's similar, what will look different, what won't, etc., etc. And I think you'll really enjoy that a lot. We also have a Damala update from an in-character perspective. Uh-huh. And um, should be good. So yeah. that's our lineup for this podcast. It should we... be a good one. Yeah, this is kind of a funny month. Uh, a Mysterium is coming up, and so we are simultaneously working on two podcasts, fourteen and fifteen. And podcast fifteen, I won't say too much about that. Simply to state that it deals primarily with Mysterium, and it will be a special feature based on Mysterium. So podcast fourteen is kind of like the lead up to Mysterium, and uh, trying to catch up with any. Other uh, hot news that's happened in the interim. Oh, yes. And I almost forgot to mention, we have another episode of JOTC that will be aired today. And this one's a very good one. Mm -hmm. Hey, you wrote it. (laughs) I know, didn't I? Okay, that's just... I must agree. It does sound pretty good. Uh, Donahue continuously outdoes herself assembling the things. And considering what she gets to work with, it's, it's quite the achievement. But I will state that... The uh, second season of Journey of the Cold is really taking shape. The story is developing nicely. Uh, I can't tell you that much about the acting, but at least it's, it's hey. acting. And you get what you pay for. <laughs> okay, Mr. Comment. Yeah, yeah. If they knew how many times we flopped in our <laughs> lines, I think they'd die of laughter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe we should release some bloopers at some point. Do you keep all that stuff? No, I don't. I, I wish don't I would keep some of it, because that would be just so funny. I just tell everyone to edit it out. Uh-huh. Anyway, on to Podcast 14. Enjoy it, everybody. It's a treat to bring it to you. Sure. For the Cavern today, this is Mowag. This is Ty. Signing off. In forums all across the web, Uru fans are preparing for Uru Live. Much of this centers on the Uru Live forum, where fans can discuss anything and everything Uru. The Uru Live Forum has a large suggestion section where fans can make suggestions of what they'd like to see in the new live. Discussions include new additions to Ralto, new actions and clothing options for avatars, and the exciting topic of new ages and the possibility of multiplayer ages expanding into the Uru Expansion Pack's ages. The other large section of Uru Live Forum is the general discussion area. Here, discussions on live and its possibilities are even larger. Topics here include everything for a DRC list of new ages to a discussion on players' favorite ages. The Uru Obsession website is another site fans seem to gravitate to. On the main site, the Uru Obsession gallery now includes Uru Live concept art for the new ages, and in the forum there are several threads involving interviews with Rand Miller. Here is also is the birthplace of the Damala and Until Uru yearbook, being worked on by Moire and the crew. And on the Denipedia Writers Ring, or dpwr.net, the Golden Key Contests continue. 
This popular contest still attracts many Uru fans to submit their Uru key photos and vote on their favorites. The contest is nearing its 50th round. At last count, Atika currently holds the greatest number of wins, coming in at 12 wins out of 47 rounds. This ends our news report. This is Dalkin signing off. Coming soon, the Damala Memory Book. Headed by Moate in the Uru Obsession Forum, a yearbook for Until Uru and the Damala Shard is in the works. Send in your avatar pictures, Kai shots, and brief descriptions of your experiences in Until Uru and Damala. See the Damala Memory Book at Damala Yearbook thread in the Until Uru General Discussion section of the Uru Obsession Forum for more details. And now it's time. This is Dalkin with your Uru Spots weather report for today. In Spokane, Washington, skies are mostly sunny with a high of 83 degrees. In central New Mexico, it is 91 degrees out there, but scattered thunderstorms are sweeping the area. Down in the cavern, it is quite warm indeed, reaching 84 degrees around the outskirts of the cavern and rising as high as 87 degrees in some parts of the city due to the many explorers recently dropping in. Lake waters are somewhat more clear today than they've been in a while, allowing more glimpses of the sunken ships at the docks. The algae itself seems to be particularly enjoying the heat, and the orange glow has brightened several degrees. Hello, this is Miles from the Cavern Today. Over the past few months, we've been very privileged to have a number of members from the Cyan Worlds team on the show. We've talked about the past, the present, and the future of the Uru story. But today we wanted to do something a little bit different. Today we wanted to interview someone about the more technical aspects of the upcoming Uru Live. So it's my great honor and privilege to welcome Mark DeForest, otherwise known as Chogan to many of us, uh, to the show. <laughs> Mark, uh, it's great to have you. Ah, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for taking the time out to, to come on the show. Things sound really busy over at Cyan Worlds at the moment. Oh, yeah. We're, uh, we're trying to set up some servers in a different data center. All right. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a task. Wow. <laughs> would, they, would those servers eventually run, um, run Uru Live? Well, we don't know yet. Um, that's why we're, we're testing with this data center. To, okay. And we may, we'll do a first test with that, and then we'll, we may run the beta there. And then if that goes well, then maybe Live will be there. I see, I see. Hey, that sounds great. Wow, I mean, just for the fans, we're, we're performing quite a technological feat today. We're crossing nine time zones to bring this interview to you. <laughs> I'm, coming, <laughs> I'm coming all the way from South Africa, and we're talking to Mark in, in Washington, USA. So let's hope the technology yeah. holds up. Um, Mark, yes. to, to get started, uh, you're the chief technical officer at Cyan Worlds. What, yes. really, what does this entail? Well, pretty much... Uh, um, I manage the all the programmers and mm -hmm. part of the uh, gameplay wiring and chart the direct technical direction. Okay. How, okay. how long have you been um, in the role of, of CTO? Uh, let's see. I started at the end of Expansion Pack 1 for Uru. All right. So that's, what, about two years? About two years now. No, yeah. more than two, two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half years, yeah. Wow, that's, <laughs> sure, that's Time great. flies. Absolutely. It feels like just the other day that um, we all read that, that post on um, urulive.com announcing the, the close of Prologue. Uh, 
Oh, sad, yeah. Quite a sad day. But then again, two years later, reading uh, Rand's latest post saying, you know, Uru Live's coming back, and, and what a what a wonderful day that is. Uh, I opened up a, the, uh, on our private forum to ask a couple of questions that people sort of would want to know. And um, uh-huh. one of the major questions that came up was this Microsoft Vista coming out at the beginning of next year, we hope coming out at the beginning of next year. And obviously that's going to have some sort of uh, influence on Uru Live. Now currently we've been doing some testing with, uh, with <coughs> Windows Vista, uh, beta rather, and um, whenever we uh-huh. run until Uru, it switches into Windows XP Service Pack 2 mode. I wonder how has Cyan uh, addressed the Vista issue and, and will Uru Live be compatible with Windows Vista? Yeah, uh, we will. I mean, we may not be at launch, but we will be, you know, sometime after that. Sure. Uh, one of the biggest problems that we had with um, Vista mm. is the uh, EAX sound libraries, which yes. were not compatible with Vista. Yes. So we are switching to OpenAL okay. so that we can still run hardware uh, uh, acceleration sure. for the okay. sound. All right. Well, that, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I've got another question, and uh, it resolve, revolves around uh, MIST-5. In MIST-5, we use the, the ODE physics engine, and um, there's been a lot of right. talk about what engine will actually be used for for the, the second URI Live as such. Now, Prolog used Plasma 2, and MIST-5 went on to use uh, Plasma 2.1. Then there's been, right. talk, there's been talk on various forums about Plasma 2.5, uh, and Grey Dragon has come out and said that, no, in fact, URI will be using... Plasma 2. Can you set the record straight for us? Okay. This this is the, the real <laughs> thing. So pla- uh, Uru Live will be mm. using Plasma 2.0. All right. And MIST 5, yeah, was Plasma 2.1. And and the the 2.5 is is more of a future kind of thing, but that I won't see. be used in Uru. It's a uh, we're using a much higher system specs. Right. That would would not work for Uru. Sure. Now, as so, far as uh, as far as the physics, I can't tell you which physics engine we're using because mm. <laughs> we haven't mm. we haven't signed the contracts yet. Oh, for I them. see. Right. Yeah. That was but, I was actually going to ask that, but but Havoc has yeah. moved off then. So we we've removed Havoc mm-hmm. and and we're putting in the new physics engine, and <laughs> mm. I can tell you, mm. it's it's a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. My word. Uh, the just you know the way they trigger things uh, mm, mm. because when we built this you know Uru Live with Havoc it was really finely tuned to Havoc mm. uh, our our physics models and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. some of those we've had to tweak in the data but mm-hmm. it's it's been a, a long testing process sure wow that's quite quite something to change to change physics engines is the the idea behind that really making it platform independent uh, with a possible possibly looking to a Mac and maybe a Linux version uh, well the, the initial reason we had to change is that our license with havoc was expiring all right and of course they were going to require uh, <laughs> a, a license mm-hmm. with a bigger price mm-hmm. tag absolutely so we had to switch for that reason all right yeah because mist 5 used but, the ODE open engine sorry Mark sorry to cut you off carry on Oh no! This so yeah. So Mist Five used ODE, uh, which was an open source. Sure. And that, and we did that again, you know, because we didn't want to have to pay another Absolutely. license fee to Havoc. Yeah. Um, but also it gave us the because it was open source gave us the independent 
independency on the platforms. And this next engine will, or physics engine, will give us that independence also. But obviously there had to be more than just the physics engine to make mm -hmm. a Mac port or a Linux port. Absolutely, I can quite understand that. MIST-5 used various multi-threaded optimizations and hyper-threading optimizations. Uh, will we see these in, in Uru Live? Uh, some of them. We, when we first started Uru Live back up again, we, we went back and took a look at what we put into Plasma 2.1 and mm -hmm. saw what we could bring back. And we couldn't bring all the enhancements and, and optimizations, but we could bring quite a few of them. Yeah. Something something rather noticeable in Uru, as opposed to MIST-5, is the feature of VSync as a configuration option. Are we going to manage to have that in Uru Live? Uh, not sure yet. All right. Kind of a work in progress. Yeah. Absolutely. All righty. Uh, one of our editorial producers uh, has been doing some testing with the new dual-core uh, dual Intel Pentium 4 uh, and finds that MIST-5 runs spectacularly on dual-core, whereas uh, URU doesn't run as efficiently. Uh, you spoke about some of the optimizations uh, being brought back from Plasma 2.1. Is dual-core going to be something that's going to be strongly supported in Plasma 2 for the new URU? Right. So... Uh, which is mostly about multi-threading, which exactly. we are adding some of that multi-threading to take advantage of the dual, dual core. Right. Um, we may, at launch, may not have it all there, but we will, you know, continue mm. with that as after launch. All right. Well, moving away from the engine just a little bit towards specifications, it's obviously far too early to, to discuss exactly what the specs would be, but can we expect specs mostly around what URU expected or more towards what MIST-5 required of us? Uh, no, we, we are shooting for the original URU right. uh, Ages Beyond MIST uh, sure. specs. So much, so much lower end then, which is actually quite nice as far as reaching, reaching the largest number of people. Absolutely. Oh, that's really great. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear that as well as to hear that uh, there'll be certain optimizations brought back from, from MIST-5. Moving, yeah. moving over to gameplay, um, the key in uh, Uru Live never featured uh, voice chat, but in Until Uru we suddenly found that we had voice chat. Are there plans to upgrade key functionality to include better quality voice chat and with a view maybe to use video at some stage? Uh, video? I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah, uh, the voice over IP, we, we mm. are uh, actually the sound engineer, he's, he's rewritten most of that. Oh, Partly great. because uh, we had to, he had to rewrite it to work with OpenAL. Okay. Uh, but while he was doing that, he's found some really good optimizations. So mm -hmm. the voice over IP in Uru should work a lot, lot better. Oh, that's great. Because at, at present on Damala, there's been some issues with uh, crashing resulting from, from using voice chat. So. Yeah, there, in the, until Uru, there was, yeah, there's a crashing problem. But there's <laughs> also uh, really bad latency. Exactly. Which uh, we're, we should be clearing a lot of that up. I mean, you still get latency just because you're going over the Internet sure. you know, and doing that kind of thing. Oh, that's great. Um, in terms of age load time, uh, MIST-5 End of Age has done an amazing job with uh, age load time. Can we expect uh, improvements in the loading time with Uru Live? Yes, yes. Uh, some of it we weren't, again, that was part of that those things we looked at in mm. 2.1 to bring sure. back. and. And we brought back as much as we could, which sped up the uh, 
age loading quite a bit, but Absolutely. I'm not sure it's still as fast as the Mist 5. Certainly. Well, but I guess, it's, a, it's a lot better than it was. Absolutely. Well, it's a totally. It's very difficult, I guess, to compare Uru, which is an online game, to to Mist Five, which oh, is purely right. offline. It's it's two worlds apart. Right. Right. Uh, something that's always been kind of exciting uh, for fans to to surmise about is whether we'll have uh, animated descriptive panels on on linking books in Uru Live, the new Uru Live. Uh, any chance of this happening? Hmm. Yeah. It, well, it should be there because we. Uh, cool. That was put in the expansion packs. Yeah. Um, now I don't, I haven't seen the schedule that that was in there, but maybe uh, we should be able to do that. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. I, I know a lot of us enjoyed um, having the animated panels in in End of Ages and and the expansion packs, as you said. Cool. Right. Moving to avatars. Um, in Mist Five, we had wonderful uh, avatars with really high quality animated faces and hair. That's obviously as a result of putting Bink uh, video images over the over the avatar meshes. But can we expect right. any improvements in, in the Uru avatars this time around? Uh, well, obviously we won't have the Bink faces in there. It'll be, it'll be pretty much like what was in Uru. Mm -hmm. but, we, but we want to add more um, things in, as far as, you know, more uh, emotion kind of mm -hmm. things, uh, mm -hmm. uh, more random sets of idle and that kind of thing. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's great. Alrighty, well, on the server side, um, mm -hmm. lag and latency and crashes have always been an issue on Until Uru servers, uh, and a number of us that have been involved with the admining have had endless troubles uh, admining the vault. Have um, right. steps been taken to, to work on lag and latency, uh, and okay. by the same tone, uh, errors with the vault? Yeah, so the servers for Uru Live have been completely rewritten from the ground up. Okay, wow. So they they don't resemble until Uru servers at all. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of reasons. One, well, one that you just pointed out. <laughs> uh, the other thing is that all you until Uru shard owners know the software quite well, <laughs> and so. So we need to change that for that reason. But mm. but the biggest reason is we want to be able to have just one shard for all the users. So mm. the, and we made the scalability for the front end machines to handle lots and lots of people and be able mm. to grow those front end machines when when we need to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's really great because that's a question I was going to go to next. Is during the first URI live we had was it three shards running in parallel? And it'll really be right. great if we can all be in one place, which that sounds really cool. Yes, yes, that's something we were trying to strive for. Absolutely. Oh, well, that that's great news. Regarding the client side and actually getting Uru Live, now, for the first Uru Live, we were able to buy Uru Ages Beyond Mist and then play Prologue through that. Now, this time around, it's a little bit different in that we've already played one episode of Uru, and now we need to take the journey again. Are we going to be going out and purchasing a CD-ROM of Uru Live 2, or will it be a purely a download sort of thing? It, it'll be purely a download. Alrighty, cool. So we'll we'll pull it off. Now, a number of people have been worried about the size of this download. Um, certainly, some of us that aren't living in the states are a bit concerned about a four or five gig download. Should we expect a, a download of this size, or, or is it going to be a, more of a patch for the existing Uru? Uh, no, it'll be it'll be all brand new. Um, all right. So the 
for the launch, I think it's going to be around. If you, I mean, it'll only download what you explore. Okay. Uh, so, but if you fully explore everything, it'll be. I think it's about 700 meg. But, but to get started, wow. I think it's more like to get you to the personal age, it'll be about 100 meg. Oh, that's not bad at all. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely encouraging to know. Great. So it's purely going to be in an online form then. There's no plans to, to do a purely, single, single player version. Yep, purely online. No single oh, version true. at all. Oh, that's great. That's the way it's intended to be. That was yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we 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 were accustomed during Prologue to having a few content upgrades, a couple of things added to the city, and a couple of new areas opened, but no major uh, upgrades were done to the engine. No major, I say. There were a few minor, I recall. Are there plans to continuously develop the engine, or, given the amount of time that it takes, is it purely going to be a case of just updating the content? Uh, no, it'll be both. It, the content will be the biggest thing, but sure. but in the engine we will add some feature sets uh, uh, mm. to you know for the new content that will happen mm. after launch. Regarding the ages, um, a number of the textures up close in certain ages look a little bit fuzzy and a little bit distorted. Has uh, there been modification of the existing ages to to upgrade the textures? Mm, no, I don't think so. No. Alrighty. Pretty much as we as we had them in Uru then. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, something that's sort of intrigued us is looking on the urulive.com site and uh, looking at the development page and seeing under your blue sky section things like transportation vehicles, player mounts, pets, and a guild system. It also notes that these are things that Cyan may or may not be able to do at some stage in the future, but they certainly sound intriguing, especially transportation vehicles. Has any work right. been done on on these <clears throat> ideas, or are they purely dreams at the moment? Yeah, right now we, because that's part of those feature sets I was talking about for the engine for the future. Sure. Uh, so what we're trying to hit first is we're <laughs> changing out servers and physics engine and getting back to where we were, and then we mm. can start adding these kind of feature sets, All which right. will include those those things those like pets and whatnot. <laughs> well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview. It's kind of funny yeah. because we, we here as fans are desperate for the next few months to go by as quickly as possible. We just want them to pass <laughs> by and, and get to Christmas. But I'm, I'm sure for you guys working hard behind the scenes, you want time to go absolutely as slowly as possible. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's both sides. We want it to go fast and slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a real honor to chat with you, Mark. Thank you so much for taking yeah, uh, the this time out of your schedule. It's great, and we, and we hope to have you on the cavern today uh, again soon maybe closer to the release date if you if you have the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. That'll be great. Be great. Uh, well, I think I speak for the whole community when I say we can't wait to see what you guys have put together for us. So, so thank you very much. Thank you. Well, for the cabin today, around the world and across the shards, this is Miles signing off. Hello everyone, welcome to TCT Tech, the Cavern Today's new tech segment. 
We at The Cavern today have realized that there are currently and will shortly be some technical questions and issues that some of the cavern explorers may need resolved. In response to this potential need and the boredom of our more technically inclined staffers, we've designed this new TCT Tech segment. In these segments, our staffers, the Janathus, that's me, not that again, and Anthony, the smart one, will introduce, discuss, and sometimes argue the finer points of producing a smooth Uru experience. If you have any questions for our staffers to answer, technical or otherwise, feel free to visit the Cavern Today forums under the subheading TCT Tech or email us at tech.tct at gmail.com. Today's discussion will focus on graphics hardware. We'll begin our discussion on the evil of all evils, integrated graphics, which is unfortunately the primary graphics supplier for most PCs out there. We'll start this discussion on the integrated graphics provided by Intel, which probably makes up about 99% of what all computers use. On to you, Anthony. That's right. Intel is actually the major producer of integrated graphics solutions in PCs today. And laptops. Yes, and laptops. Whether you know it or not, NVIDIA or ATI actually produce the minority of graphics solutions for any computer. Um, Intel solutions are not as good. The fact is the graphical processor in them isn't as good. And there are also intrinsic problems with using an integrated solution compared to a dedicated solution in a PC. It boils down to the way it works in the PC. You see, an integrated solution has to borrow the PC's power from the motherboard. Um, your PC only has so much bandwidth to it. The RAM can only push data out so fast. It can only hold so much data. It's kind of like an interstate highway system. There are on-ramps and off-ramps. Cars can go through. They can only go through so fast. And, and, and unlike the, uh, the real interstate, uh, speed limits are not broken on the computer bus. Yes. People can try, but it tends to uh, burn their PCs out. <laughs> which is the dark art of overclocking, which we are, will not be covering in our segment today. In fact, I'm hoping we will tend away from overclocking at all beyond warning. That's dangerous. Um... <laughs> and causes liability problems. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as moving data, you've got your on-ramps, off-ramps, and you have places where cars wait. Kind of like garages or uh, parking lots for the data. RAM would be considered one of these points. It stores up data so that data can move out to a faster lane later. Now, when you use an integrated graphics solution, it borrows this bandwidth. The fact is, I know of no integrated graphics solutions that have their own RAM to them. They borrow the PC's RAM. When you do this, you combine the fact that it has to borrow the system RAM, which is a whole lot slower, usually, than a dedicated cards RAM, and the fact that the graphics processing solution is usually weaker itself, the integrated graphics processor. So wait a minute. We've got cheaper solution with a weaker graphics core, and it's using your system RAM, which is already slower. Isn't that like taking one tire off your car, shutting down two cylinders, and then cutting off the first two gears of the transmission? What's the point? 
Well, the point is, many people don't need the power. Imagine you're just using your computer to browse the internet, do word processing, and some basic stuff. But what if you got a 3.5 gigahertz processor, or that's 3,500 megahertz, and wow, that's fast. That should be enough to run Uru, right? Wrong. <laughs> to go to go back to the car analogy, you can only move data. You can only move the cars through as fast as the slowest point in the system. Cars aren't going to be able to go through that traffic jam any faster than the traffic jam moves. So if you've got a traffic jam in your system, or as we refer to usually, a bottleneck, it won't work well. The data just won't come through fast enough and won't be processed well enough to actually be much use. I think another point is actually that when you're running integrated graphics, it's clogging up the system bus with data that on a dedicated graphics solution would not be there. Yeah, that's another thing. A lot of integrated graphics solutions have to push the data through the processor before it hits the integrated graphics processor. Which, therefore, is going through the system bus. Yep. With our uh, recent interview with Chogan, done by Miles, uh, we learned that the system recommendations for Uru Live is, is going to be right in line with the system recommendations for Uru Ages Beyond Mist, which did not include integrated graphics. So, yes. if you've been playing... Uru Complete Chronicles, or The Path of the Shell, which do work with integrated graphics, you are in for a shock with Uru Live. It's not going to work. No. I feel sorry for anyone who thought they could actually manage to do that. If you're on an internet game, you are not doing yourself any good running it without broadband. Similarly, if you're gaming at all on your PC, you're not doing yourself any justice by having a great graphics. Yes. It just it's not good. So what are some options then of course? The three options I can think of are the PCI graphics, which is a marginal step up, AGB graphics, which used to be the de facto fast standard, and PCI Express graphics, which is the new fast standard. Um tell us about PCI graphics, Anthony, what do you think? Okay, PCI graphics are basically the lowest graphics step you can get if you're going dedicated. But that was also a high step at one point. Oh history, yes, right? back in the 90s when they were trying to upgrade the system interconnects, they uh, had to come up with a new solution and PCI was the one they came up with. It was a fast solution, it was 32-bit connection which was a nice step. It was pushed by Intel who were the de facto standard makers at the time for new PC architectures and it solved many of the problems they had back then. The problems were it proved itself that it couldn't handle the new demands that were coming from graphical solutions. They were demanding more and more bandwidth and PCI Which is probably just because Intel just couldn't see into the future. Actually, I think Bill Gates was quoted, who's going to need more than 940k RAM? 640. 640k. That's why I'm the smart one. Shh. <laughs> In the same case, Intel probably thought, you know, who's going to need more performance than this? And, well, we did. Yep. Which led us to AGP. Yes. AGP came about. Intel finally saw they needed something better, so they, the consortium ended up beefing it up. They took the basic PCI port and figured out what needed fixed. And they designed a port around that that would work better. It improved the speed. In fact, the baseline was about twice as fast as the old PCI 
ports. Now, by baseline, you mean the first version? Yeah, what everything else is measured off of. And it had a few other benefits. It could uh, have a greater bit number, which are the bits are those zeros and ones that go through your computer to communicate things. Wasn't it dedicated? Oh, yeah, it was dedicated only for graphics, so it could follow what graphics needed as time went on. Whereas the old PCI graphics have to share the PCI bus, which could have your network card, your modem, if, you know, God forbid you're still using that, and your sound card, or any other number of PCI peripherals. Right. So even if you are running a PCI graphics card today, it's sharing the data bus, which is almost the same problem you have with integrated graphics. It's not as bad, though. <laughs> with AGP, there's no sharing. Right. What was the baseline? I know there's 4X and 8X. Was there a 2X? There was a 2X, and there was also a 1X. So do you remember the speeds? Do I know the speeds? What, don't you? Of course I know the speeds, but I'm asking you. All right, all right. <laughs> this is coming from the smart one, hence why he's not speaking. <clears throat> it's coming in one times, two times, eight times, and four times. Of course, it goes four times, then eight times, then eight times, then four. Uh -huh, the smart one who can't put things in order. Gotcha. Uh-huh. All right. So most cards today are 4X and 8X. So what are those speeds? Uh, those speeds come in 266 megahertz for the four times and 533 megahertz equivalent for the eight times. Which compares to the 33 megahertz overall bandwidth for this PCI bus. Yes, it does. And due to the fact of the shared nature of the PCI bus and the dedicated nature of the AGP port, it actually, in the long run, means even more than it looks like as far as speed goes. Mm -hmm. So how does that compare to my PCI Express card? Well, uh, for an AGP 8x card, it's going to be just about half as fast. You've got a 16 times port, and AGP comes in 8 times, And the timesing... You know, a one times is just about equivalent to an AGP one times and so on in speed. So that means that I have double the speed in my video card than you have in yours? Yes, it does. Barely. The Genesis is better. The Genesis anyway, has a huge ego. Granted that, since I have moved us on to PCI Express, why don't we talk about that? What is PCI Express? Where did it come from? Why did it come from? Tell us everything you know. PCI Express was mainly an Intel initiative. They were looking for a way to replace both the AGP port, which was starting to show age, and the PCI bus system, and take it back to the old system in a way by reuniting everything under one banner, PCI Express, rather than having to have independent ports for graphics and an independent port for all your other peripherals. So one bus various different standards. Mm -hmm. So in the old system, we got the AGP, we have the PCI slots, um, and some ancient motherboards, ISA slots, don't say that word again. Um, with this PCI Express, we have a, a single bus standard that can be dedicated to different ports, right? Yes. And it's a lot, it takes the strengths of the respective formats and uses them. It has the easy use of PCI for programmers while maintaining the uh, independence that AGP had in communicating directly with other things 
in your computer. And it makes my system twice as fast. Yes. It's extensible, <laughs> very extensible. Does it communicate the same way as AGP did? Is it the same? Uh, not 100%. It, it maintains a lot of the PCI format for talking with devices, okay? If a device is trying to communicate with the OS, it'll use the old PCI communications. But as far as the way it tra channels information around the motherboard, it's a lot more like AGP was than PCI. What makes the uh, PCI Express standard so much faster than AGP? It's a lot of things. It, one of the major things is it's a newer technology. It was designed to run at a faster speed. It has uh, many things going for it. It uses some of the same technology to uh, allow faster transfers as, say, Ethernet with its twisted cables. It uses the same mm -hmm. type principle to uh, maintain signal integrity for high speeds. And it also has dedicated serial communications. And it also has duplex support, yes, right? Yes, duplex, yes. This is what the major reason why it looks like it has twice as fast as AGP. It's the same thing as twisted pair Ethernet thing I was talking about that maintains signal strength. You can imagine a car, a road. You will have cars, if it's single lane, you can only have cars going one direction or another. If you have them going both directions, they collide and you lose the cars. Same thing with packets. If you send packets down one packet thing, a single, a non-duplexed connection, and you send two packets at the same time, they're going to collide, and you lose them. So you can only talk one way at a time. Now, duplexed, you still have the same speed limit. The same amount of packets or cars can go over the same path as before at the same time, but you can send packets or cars both directions because you've now what you've effectively done is gone from a single lane to two lanes while the speed's the same it allows that two-way talk effectively doubling the speed we've talked about the uh, integrated graphics which is evil don't forget that yeah and pci graphics agp graphics pci express graphics so i'm a novice user with a computer that I want to game with, but I don't know. Am I running integrated graphics? How do I tell? Two basic techniques. You can look in the OS Windows, in my case, and go to the device manager and figure out which graphics card you got, and then you can go on the net and find out what it is there. Or you can look at the back of your computer, the back panel, and see the orientation physically of the connector for your monitor. If it's straight up and down, perpendicular with the floor, it will most definitely be a integrated graphic solution. If it's horizontal and parallel with the floor, it will most likely be a graphic solution that's a dedicated one, a card that you've put in, or someone has at one point. Which could still be slow. Yeah, it could still be slow, but it's most likely going to be faster than that integrated graphics solution. Yeah. But then again, slow is a relative term when you're talking to Anthony and myself, because 
we're a bit of graphic snobs, although I'm more of a graphic snob in that I seek more power and achieve it. Yeah, I prefer balance. <laughs> I like my computer to work well with each single part and achieve more that way. <clears throat> balance, schmalance. Give me the 500 horsepower Mustang GT500. Of course, if you don't have the gears for that, if the shift box isn't good enough, and you only have three gears, you're not going to get any power out of it. Hey, you know, I was just reading a review today on a three-gear Camaro that was beating out a four-gear Corvette, so it's not like it's a big deal. Uh-huh. Okay. This is about where we'll wrap up for today. Don't forget to tune in next time for our TCT Tech version 1.1 segment where we'll cover the ins and outs of DirectX 7, 8, and 9 graphics. Don't you want to know what that is? We'll tell you next time. I sure do. This will be the primer for our upcoming TCT Tech version 1.2 graphics card discussion. And that's going to be a long one, so we've saved a whole segment for just that. And this is the Genathus. Whatever. And the Anth... <laughs> Okay, go start from this is the <laughs> <laughs> This is the Genathus. Whatever. And Anthony. Signing off.
Thanks, Ian, for sharing that for us. It was great. Now time to find out what's been happening in Journey of the Called. As Tyon Len and Ken Shone were beginning, another event was taking place. Kirol had returned to the age where his people remained hidden. Not much is known of Kirol's race. All that is known for sure is that they are called the Shadow Travelers, and are ruled by a woman known only as the council leader. The council hall was quiet. Only the soft padding of Kirol's shoes could be heard as he walked down the hall. From the shadows, another shadow traveler appeared and approached Kirol. Well, well, if it isn't Kirol, welcome back to the Shadowed Age. Don't play games with me, Kirion. Oh, come now, Kirol. Would I play a game with you now that you've come back to face your failure? Kirol did not answer Carrion. He just continued on his way, as if Carrion's wasn't even there. Not surprisingly, this angered Carrion. Kirol, how dare you ignore me! I will see you in the council chamber, Carrion. The council chamber was dark. The only light came from the red fire marbles on the walls and the glowing symbols that all the shadow travelers wore. The chamber was circular, dominated by the large shelves where the council members sat. One chair was elevated above the others, and this, of course, was reserved for the council leader. All had gathered, except for the leader Kirol and Kerian. But at last, Kirol and Kerian entered and took their places. And then the council leader arrived. Her deep-set eyes were dark green. She wore a long robe, and in her hand she held an ebony staff. Both of these symbolized her great power, and to a shadow traveler, power was everything. Kirole, you failed. You let that foolish age journeyer get away, and as a result, he was allowed to meet up with the other two age journeyers. This in itself preventing us from proceeding as planned. I never had cause to doubt you, Keral, but this, 
This cannot go unpunished. My leader, though I failed, I, I did obtain what we needed. Explain yourself. I now know that Tyon holds the key to opening the sealed cave. How do you know this? Because he has entered the cave once before. So he holds the key? Hmm. Good work, Geral. But that still doesn't excuse your failure to keep him concealed. It was not possible. The power of those age journeyers is at least equal to our own. The only power they have is the strength inside them. And that resonates and weakens our strength, as you already know, Kerion. Enough, Kerion. Kerol is correct in this matter. But he still failed. Yes, but now that I have this knowledge, his punishment will be less severe. Kerion, you and Kerol are to work together. What? I refuse to work with Kirion. How dare you disobey an order for me? <laughs> My leader, I have served you well for over a millennium. I refuse to believe that with this... this single mistake, you would lose all trust in me. You let him get away and reach an age that he should have never entered. He has met up with the other two who hold the seals. And you expect me to continue to trust in you? Kirill, you will work with Kirion. If you refuse... I will take away all your power and send you to a prison age. Is that clear? Yes, my leader. Forgive me. Very well. My leader, the age they are in is protected by the light waves. It would be nearly impossible to reach them in the fourth instance of the age. How can we continue our efforts? This is how. The council leader removed a elaborate snake place and broke it into fragments. Leader, This is what will help you. It is a form of a shield that will repel the light waves and allow you to enter the fourth instance. How long will this protect us? That I do not know. What I can tell you is that the longer it remains in the realm, the stronger it will grow. But you will have to leave it at some point, for even though its strength increases, its effect will periodically wear off. But each time you return, its protection will last longer. We understand. After that, the council leader adjourned the meeting and the council disbanded. The sound of Kirol's and Carian's footsteps could be heard echoing down the dark hall. The two were silent for a time, but at last Kirion broke the silence. So, what should I know about Tyon? Hmm, well, he is a fool for one thing. <laughs> Aren't they all? But, but, he is powerful, and not afraid to do what needs to be done. At the same time, he does have one weakness. Which is? Those he loves. I see. Well, that should make it very easy. Well, if I know Tyon, it won't be. What do you mean? Tyon has a way of surprising you when you least expect it. Well then, I shall keep my guard up. Kirol and Kirian arrived in a large room with at least 10,000 age books. The room was like all things in that age, dark. The only light came from the green fire marbles and the linking book panels themselves. Must we use such a primitive method of linking? 
Yes, I know it's crude, but to reach the place we want, we will have to use the books and these fragments. Really? <laughs> well, come on then. Let's get going. Wait a moment. My leader, you honor us once again with your presence. When you link there, you are only to observe, not to make yourselves known. Is that understood? Yes, my leader. Kirel? Yes, my leader. Good. And remember, this age is not a dunny age. It's a mystic age. We will be cautious. Kirion is the only shadow traveler that matches me in strength. In essence, he is my equal in many ways, but, but not quite. That is a good thing, for I hate him. I hate that I must work with such a man. And to think it's all because of Tyon, that age journeyer, and the council leader. She knew that if I were to go in alone, I wouldn't be able to control my anger. And that is the true reason he is working with me. It angers me so. But we shall see what the future holds. I will get my revenge. Geralt, what a failure. To think that he is called a shadow traveler. The way he talks and thinks is appalling. The council leader should have sent him into the void known as the Prison Age, but instead she makes me work with him, which should be a satisfying thing. Yet it angers me to think I am stuck with such a foolish excuse for a shadow traveler. Well, as someone once said, what's done is done. The two shadow travelers touched the linking panel and suddenly felt themselves warped into the age, and instantly the dreaded light waves began to appear. But, as the council leader had promised, the fragments of a necklace reflected the light, almost seeming to pierce the light with darkness. Soon enough, the two of them found themselves in the Temple of Ages, in a room not yet seen by the three who remained in the final room. So, this is the Age of Reflection. Let's get to work, Kiral. Do you feel that sensation? It's the light waves. Don't let it bother you. I despise the light. That is the way a shadow traveler must be. This is a way of life that those fools can never experience. For they... they... They rest in the light, they follow the light, they walk in the light as if it is their way of life. Sometimes I wonder how the light can be stronger than the darkness. It makes me ill to think of such things. The Age of Reflection was not always as it appeared. It was changed into this form by the mystic known as Prince Aven. He was a rebel, fighting our leader when he realized that the only way to win the war against us was to split the age into four different instances. And what lies within each instance? <laughs> well, that is not for me to say. This is the final door. Let's go then. Suddenly, Kirol and Kerian walked through the door as if I was not even there, and before them stood Tyon, Len, and Ken. But to Kirol and Kerian, it looked as if the three were frozen. What is going on? No! Oh, this should have been expected. They have the keys. And the light waves are sealed within them. Which means that they are protected. For now. Well, uh, of course. 
I think we can integrate ourselves into their instance simply by, by touching something. Hmm. Come on, Ben. Let's go over there where they won't be able to see us. That's strange. What? I sense someone else's presence. I do as well. Now, we return to the place where we left Tylenen and Ken. Kirol and Kerian have heard them reading the inscription above the three doors. So they have no idea of what lies beyond the doors. Only that the journey will be hard. If only they knew what truly was behind the doors. Hmm. What? What was it? I sense that feeling again. That feeling grows strong as each minute passes. What do you think it is? I don't know, but whatever it is, I don't like it. It feels as if the light waves are resonating with this presence. But you and I, along with them, are, are the only ones in this age. We don't know that for sure, Kiral. Hmm. Does Tyon ever smile? Not that I've seen, but <laughs> of course he's always glaring at me, so I would never know. Hmm. Well, the other two kobolds seem to be very different from him, then. At least... Lean seems to be similar in some ways. And Ken seems to be the most outgoing. Tyon, burdened with the task of courage. Lean, burdened with the wisdom that must be gained. And Ken, burdened with the task of keeping them together. This should prove to be an interesting journey. But will they be able to survive it? <laughs> that is the question. If there is one thing I've learned in my deal, is to never underestimate one of the called. Well, Lean and I have had some encounters. How do you think she will react to us? Most likely as Tyon would. <laughs> Shame we can't reveal ourselves as of yet. Oh, we will soon, Kiral. Very soon. Thank you for listening to the ongoing story of Journey of the Called. Music today was provided from the Riven Soundtrack and Dr. Zoidberg. I think Steve Crocs is ready in the cavern now. Let's find out what's been going on in Damala this month. This is Steve Crocs reporting in the latest of cavern news from Taladon. The cavern's been relatively quiet in the last month. The DRC site has had its ageless updated, and we've explorers have learned that the Edo's Delen and Totogal are planning to be opened by the DRC. Both of these ages are supposed to be from the garden binge the Denis went through several thousand years ago. While I'm sure every explorer has seen the Kai shot of Ida Dillin and its foresty surroundings, less is known about Tosugao. Dr. Kodama and other DRC members have been hesitant to speculate on either age's history. In today's DRC meeting, Dr. K did tell us that there is little history associated with either age. Having so little to go on, Tweek and the other more linguistically able explorers have speculated on the name of Tusugao. It could mean something to do with the grounds, and suggestions that the age exists in a cavern or could mean glow rock have also been made. Cather Island has also been shown to be under DRC's tender care. This particular island has many of us explorers excited, as it is the location of the Guild of Illusions. For any of our new explorers, the houses located there has a lot of past. It is speculated that the daughter of the owner was killed so the king could use the house as a base for the Rylama. The Rylama were a secret police of the Dene. They were a quiet extension of the king's arm that was disbanded several years later. The house itself looked like a guild house. 
However, many people are excited, myself included, just what sort of guild house the Guild of Illusionists would have. The mysterious house, which many explorers have seen day and night paintings of, has been identified as the Guild of Illusions. Could the yellow and white rooms also be located inside? Hopefully we'll find out soon. Dr. K has also brought some bad news to many explorers. Earlier this year you might have remembered that Dr. K and Wheelie Emberg often mentioned the DRC's attempt at restoring Kahlo. However, it appears that the DRC have had to suspend operations in the age until they obtain greater funding. They are hoping to be able to give it Phase 5 approval early next year, however we unfortunately will not be seeing it soon, unless Yisha decides that we need to on some sort of journey. But as she's been absent for a while now, I wouldn't hold your hopes out for that. Reha Tivani and the Hood Games Room are also on the DRC's agenda, however Dr. K did not give us any real insight into those ages. Without any other source we can't really even speculate on what might exist within them. There has also been discussion in the cavern on the matter of guilds. While it appears that the majority of explorers wish to see a guild system in place, the uh, poll showed that 77% of explorers were pro some form of guild, a smaller minority is still expressing some very deep concerns that such a system could cause to cavern life. There are many questions to be answered. We are aware of the Guild of Greeters which has existed since the third restoration attempt and, D and has DRC approval. But what of the modern groups? Is CCN a guild? Is the Cavern Activities team a guild? Do you want to see modern guilds in effect reclassify current cavern groups as guilds or do we wish to restore the original guilds of Denis? These are some of the questions currently raging and need to be answered by the DRC. Although I believe we as explorers will also need to communicate our wishes to the liaisons on the matter. Oh, if you wish to learn more about the CAMS activities team, and will be running a TCT shortwave on just what it is and what it does, which should air shortly. Well, that's it for this month. I'm off to see if I can entice Shroomy to come and play. Oh, I really like Teladon. Madge doesn't like this age at all. It's all the mushrooms. It keeps getting in her hair or something. Anyway, I'm off. Well, that was a fun podcast. I'd like to thank Mark DeForest for joining us this week. And thanks for giving us an insight into some of the more technical parts of it. I would also like to note that many of our background effects in this podcast are ambient pieces James Lightfoot has created. Steve Crox has been using LCC's rather excellent pieces and is always on the lookout for works by the community. It's also been fun listening to Ian Moreland's musical compositions, and with his permission, we will be playing a few more of those in the future. I have to say, this month's JOTC was great fun. I'd like to remind everyone that Tyon is writing a small spin-off series from JOTC called Journey of the Mystics. He is currently holding auditions for several roles, and I and everyone at TCT is looking forward to hearing it. Well, this is the end of the podcast. We hope to bring you the latest news from the cavern and from Mysterium. It's been great fun this month. This is Anthony, signing off. May the pinnacles rise up to meet you. May the glowbergs be always at your back. May the sunshine reflect off every Yisha page you do not see. May the rain fall on your alto only when you desire rain and until we meet again 
May you be blessed with the night good fortune wherever you settle. Shorah B'Shem.